Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. Is it better for me to buy a primary residence or better to invest for cash flow? This is a story about a dude named Lane. Then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. So I made this spreadsheet where I pretty much outline the years here at the top. And they go all the way to 30 years. Just, just took that as a normal amortization, 30-year amortization for a loan for a primary residence. Um, I built this. Assuming someone was going to buy a $800,000 house, um, might be more or less where you live. And um, the way you read this is it goes across, um, I built this to go up 3% every year because that's what everybody says houses go up. Although we all know houses, prices, houses do go down from time to time. But for this assumption, let's just assume that the price of the home was always going to be going up. So after 30 years, after you, good little boy and girl, pay your mortgage, you have, will likely accumulate $1.88 million um, through the process, which sounds awesome. $1.8 million is a lot of money. Um, I don't know if it'd be that much money in 30 years from now, but um, you know, so this is the case of, I usually tell people to you know, think for themselves, run these numbers yourself, because the numbers don't lie. Um, in my opinion, if you live in a primary market like Seattle, Hawaii, uh, anywhere in California, New York, Boston, these cool places to live where the rental value ratios don't make sense, it likely makes sense for you to not buy a primary residence to live in. One of the misnomers I hear about all the time is people always say, well, I don't want to throw away money to rent, give it to my landlord because it's like putting money down the tube which I think is completely false. And uh, all my friends who are financially free investing in uh, real estate, um, think it's also a bunch of, uh, bunch of bull too. Your money is not going to waste if you pay it in rent. The key is, is to take that down payment money um, that you would have put and sunk into this $800,000 house in year one and to put it into investments. And that's what I'm doing here. Um, I put up three scenarios where there's different assumption levels of IRR, which is internal rate of returns. You guys can Google that, but that's what we like to use as investors um, because it takes into account time value of money and the, the rate of return that we're getting. I would key in on this 10% model. Um, so again, what we're doing here is we're taking 20% if we would have bought that $800,000 house. Uh, if we would have took that $160,000 and purchased rental properties, turnkey rentals, or put it into bigger deals. Um, what would happen over the years at 10% IRR? So let's follow this along as we go 10, 20, 30 years into the future. At 10% IRR, we are at $2.5 million, which is greater than the 1.8 if you would have just sunk it into your home, which obviously is better. But I would say in most deals out there, um, you can pretty much find a pretty consistent 15% IR out there. And if you follow that 10, 20, 30 years into the future, you're looking at $8 million. 
that is more than six million dollars and if you would have just socked it away in your four savings account which is at home which um, I'll caveat this saying that most people should probably buy a primary residence because most people are pretty terrible with money and they need that means for that putting money away via a mortgage into their house so they don't touch it because they're going to buy vacations, go to Las Vegas, buy uh, jet skis, do whatnot with that money. So other than these, um, the obvious benefits of you know, putting your money to investments, which is, you know, eight million, you want, oh, actually it's $9 million by year 30. Is other benefits are cash flow. So in this model where you're buying a primary residence, all your money is going to your mortgage payments. And most people at that point are tapped out. Whereas if you're putting money into rental properties or syndications, you're going to get the cash flow possibly every month every quarter, definitely on an annual basis, where you get to put that money and buy, put food on the table, go on vacations, do whatever you want with it. That can be a little dangerous because some of us might want to uh, spend that cash flow. But hey, you know, when you, when you kind of measure it up 30, year 30 in the future and you're comparing 1.8 million to 9.2, you know, probably should celebrate along the way. This model doesn't really get going until year... 15, 16 fixed to be the diversion point. Um, so, you know, this is the whole different paradigm shift. Most people think to save up a whole bunch of money at the end of their lifetime, then live off of at 4%. But the, uh, the lifestyle I like to live through is create past streams of passive cash flow today and many of them and something that you can live off of right now as opposed to waiting in the future, because that, that tomorrow may never come. If you got more information about this whole theory of not buying your primary residence, go and read my article at simplepassivecashflow.com slash home. I'm so passionate, I paid someone $500 to write that article for me. So uh, check that out. And um, you know, the, the last benefit that I'll leave you guys with that is not in taken into account in this model um, right here, is this whole um, other benefits of the taxes. Now, when you're investing, you get depreciation from these assets. Uh, if you're buying rental properties, you can deduct it, the value of the home improvements 27 years. But when you're investing in bigger deals where they're doing a cost segregation, which you can learn more about at simplepassivecashflow.com slash cost seg, you can get bonus depreciation. And um, you know, here's my tax return from 2018. And um, you know, numbers don't lie. I made 134,000 uh, via my day job. That's the AGI, adjusted gross income, actually 137. And um, I paid 5,000, a little over 5,000 in taxes. Um, I believe that's around 4% effective tax rate because my passive losses and my deductions from um, running my real estate business, uh, which is a real estate portfolio, pretty much brought down my taxable amount throughout all these years, which is again, not taken into account in all these calculations right here. So if you compare it with the average person who's usually sitting in about 15 to 30% taxes, um, imagine how much more I could put into this model to even make this number, this Delta come out a lot more. People say, you know, like, 
you know, this is where I had a capital gain of almost $200,000 and I was able to bring over those deductions, $200,000 to offset that immediately. If you guys want to learn more of this, go to simplepassivecashflow.com and um, check out our, my free podcast, Simple Passive Cashflow on iTunes, Google Play. And talk to you guys next time. Bye. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.